Welcome to the Otson Audibles podcast post-game edition from a darkly lit Stanford Stadium as the Oregon Ducks. Victorious 42-6 to Saturday afternoon. Um, slow start, but a 35-3 to swing in the second and third quarters is the difference. Um, 42 unanswered for Oregon. A game in which... Like Dan said that they you know, wanted to play better on the road um, compared to how they did week two at Texas Tech. First quarter was kind of oh boy, this isn't yeah. this isn't great. Um, second quarter and on, it was kind of what we expected. Which they're human; they had a huge win. They have a huge game in two weeks. They have a bye before that. Was this team looking ahead? I don't know, but. If they were, it's understandable. And after a slow first quarter in which the offense had just six total plays, two three and outs, they still found the way to go 506 yards. Um, like I said, 4,200 inch points. They leave 42 to six and blowout victory over a really bad Stanford team. Yeah. And I think if you just go box score searching, this game checks all the boxes. Yes. And honestly, if you watch this game, it still checks all the boxes. The first quarter, as Matt said, was was tough. Um, Stanford, like, to their credit, that opening drive was multiple third down conversions. Multiple third quarter, and they killed eight minutes of clock and only scored three points. Like, that's a very unique way to start a football game. And then the fact that Oregon was unable to do anything on its first drive, Stanford then again has a, a long, what, four or five minute drive, followed by another three and out by Oregon offense. And you're kind of going, oh, this is like strange. I don't do know. Do you want to know going. the time of possession in the first quarter? Uh, it was like 13 to 1. 13, 37 to 123. Well, and that feels right. Yes. <laughs> and then after that, it just completely shifted. And uh, I'll give credit to my dad for texting me in the middle of the game. 489 to, or 419 to 89 was the, the yards difference from the second and the third quarter when Oregon just totally put on the full court press and put this one away. It went from being one where you saw on social media and our message board people very concerned to being one where everyone was like, yeah. Hey, this is what we all thought was going to happen. Sure, the first quarter wasn't great. There are some things to, to work on. Dan talked about some of that, but ultimately, I don't know how you really complain too much about this one. Final score was identical to last week's game, which was another game where Oregon dominated, and they get out of this one the five and zero record and go to a bye week, relatively healthy. We will talk about some of that stuff maybe in a minute, but yeah, I mean, a weird start to the game, but from the second quarter on, like they just kind of put their foot down. It's not even like. Stanford played well in the first quarter. Agreed. There's 15 plays for 46 yards of their first drive. 13 plays for 51 yards was their second drive. I think the longest play of the day they had was 18 yards, and that came in the second half. Um, that was the longest pass or longest rush or longest like it was not a, like they were. It was, getting, in, it was in the first half, but yes, it was 18. It wasn't like they were getting big chunk yards or anything like that. Like Oregon's defense, they just they would get into third and short. They struggled on first downs more than any other down in that first quarter. So Stanford had it at third and short, and any team that has some semblance of an offensive line is going to convert on a third and short. Then there was a fourth and short. So they had these opportunities, but yeah, I mean, this is exactly how we expected the game to go. Uh, just took a lot longer to get there. Yeah. Um, you know, Bo, obviously, you know, he turns in like a ho-hum performance, but still has four touchdowns, almost 300 yards passing, only six or seven incompletions on the day. Like, that's just 
it's just kind of the the universal standard that Bo has done so far this year. Uh, Troy Franklin, another hundred yard game. Yep. Uh, you know, defensively, Steve Stevens led the team with eight tackles. Uh, Evan Williams seven, Peshim with six, Jordan Birch had six. The team had eleven tackles for loss, five sacks. So that's twelve in the last uh, twelve in the last two games for sack total, seven and five. Which is almost their total from all of last season, by the right. way, which I think yeah. was 18. So, again, these 16. are 16. these are what the transfer portal additions were supposed to do. Oregon is good at assessing talent, and they're doing exactly what they wanted them to do. Um, it just shows up every day. Again, Stanford is a bad football team. Yeah. But – this is what you should do to bad football teams. Ideally, you'd like to get off to a better start in the first quarter, but so be it. You want to win a game handedly, and they did so today, scoring 42 unanswered points. I mean, by the time it got to the second quarter in Oregon, again, like it was doomsday on Twitter as it normally is. But Who would have thought? It was 6 to nothing, and if Oregon scored a touchdown, they took the lead. That's yeah. kind of how math and football works sometimes, and they took the lead and literally never looked back. So, uh, again, just another dominating performance, but exactly what you expect them to if do. You're, if you're down – if you have six offensive possessions in the first quarter, you don't have any first downs. And Six plays? Two, two what, one play through the second quarter, you're down 6-0. Yeah. Any team in the country is going to take that. Like, wait, we don't have any opportunity to, to – Nothing, on, on, nothing offense, on offense. And we're only losing by six points. And like Jared said, if we score a touchdown, we win. Or we're, we're – Here's the drive chart for, for Oregon offensively. Punt, punt, touchdown, touchdown, missed field goal. And I thought that series was awesome until Camden missed it because yes. they went 40 yards and like, or sorry, 55 yards and 40 seconds with one timeout. Touchdown, 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 end of game. Stanford, field goal, field goal, punt, 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 downs, downs, downs. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, that's what it was. Less than 250 yards again for this defense. And I know Stanford's offense isn't very good, um, but. It's starting to get to that point where it's it's pretty impressive. Um, we're gonna learn a lot more in the next couple of weeks. That's certainly gonna be said. But to Jared's point, the, the portal additions are hitting. Yeah. The key pieces that needed to play better last season are playing better this season, and we're getting impacts from you know the marquee players like Dorless again was really good, even though he only had a couple tackles in this game. He got a late sack. Um, you look at the addition of, um, I'm blanking on his name, Tysheen Johnson, mm -hmm. and he's all over the place again. Evan Williams, what, back-to-back -back games now with a sack. Yep. Um, he talked about in the post game that he's never had an opportunity to play like this, and he's relishing it. Um, Kyrie Jackson had a sack on a corner blitz. We saw that last year with Christian Gonzalez, I think, at Colorado. He had a corner blitz with a sack. He did get hurt, though. And we'll, we'll talk, we should talk about that. That's, that's going to be a significant injury. It looked like a hip kind of thing. Left hip. Um, he was on the sideline in the second half. You know better than me if he played because I was so, so focused on photos. But um, that's going to be an interesting one. Who replaced him? Because I quite honestly – it was Nico Reed and Dante Manning. It was an interesting thing that kind of shifted from their starting pair to then their second pair, and, and Jaleel didn't play much at all until maybe the, the end of the third or start of the fourth, something like that. Something like that. Maybe even start of the fourth. But, yeah, yeah, Kyrie was up on the sideline. He never got out of his uniform. He just didn't have his helmet on. He was 
interacting with everybody else in the secondary room. It just kind of felt like a, uh, we don't, we don't need, you. need you. Yeah, we don't need you. No, uh, Nico and Dante did, frankly, did a great job. Mm -hmm. Nico had a big pass breakup on a fourth down. Dante had another big pass breakup. I think it was on a third down, and they forced a punt. Like, they played well. Um, would have been nice to see those guys out there, but uh, it's fine. They didn't need either of them. And, you know, Jaleel Florence had been kind of held out of practice at points this past week for an injury. So maybe it was the same thing. It's like, hey, your your counterpart here is is injured. We don't need him. Even though if we really needed him, he could play. Like, we don't need you either. Like, go rest up. We got a bye week. We're fine. And we're hoping, obviously, that they, that is the correct diagnosis that Kyrie will be yeah. fine. Because that's this upcoming matchup with Washington. I know they need, week, <laughs> they need him. They need Jaleel. They need everyone in the secondary to be at their best. We should note Brian Addison. I don't think we ever saw. No. Uh, we were told he – someone said he was on the travel roster, so he was here, but we never identified him. Um, Popo appeared out of thin air yeah, because Popo, you guys missed, couldn't say him on the box, and I literally was watching the D-line warm up, and he was not there. And then he showed up and no, played a little bit. Not, yeah. And then the other 50, Nishad Strother, did play on the very final drive of the game, so he is officially available clearly to play. Um, can't take much away from it, but it's good to see him make his debut. Justin Jacobs, we should note. We also never saw. Yeah. No. Popo did play, yeah. but only a handful of snaps. Yeah. I would imagine by the time we get the numbers that it'll be under 10. I would agree. Um, one thing on the defense I was thinking about that's really impressive, along with the obviously the tackles for loss, the sacks, the lack of yards gained, the lack of touchdowns the last couple of weeks. No turnovers. Exactly. They've done it without forcing a single turnover, which like, hey, you want them to force turnovers, but when you can do this dominant without having those kind of plays, imagine what the ceiling is when they do start turn for turnovers or force turnovers, because you know that will happen. And you did see that obviously against Texas Tech where they forced four. So I think that is even another kind of a little carrot there to chase of if they can start to force some turnovers and some of these sacks turn into fumbles and some of these Oh, the pressures yeah. turn into interceptions. We did see one of the sacks today turn into a fumble, actually, but it was recovered by an offensive lineman for Stanford. This uh, this defense can even maybe take another step. But, you know, again, two weeks in a row against offenses that didn't look great. Looks looks good. Although Colorado looked really Colorado good. Colorado looked really, really good, good earlier today. Opponents, I, was, yeah. I was just going to ask, like, what, what are we taking away from the last two weeks? The fact that Oregon's offense is – Coming. I mean, even though the first quarter aside in this one, or the yeah. 12 combined points to open league play, I don't care who you play it, that's pretty darn good. We we should be taking away the defensive perspective because mm -hmm. we knew Oregon's offense was going to be good this year. It was just a question of how good would they be at replacing Kenny Dillingham for Will Stein. Right. And Will Stein's done great. Um, Some fun things today. People, yeah, people can, and everybody's going to disagree with everybody, so it doesn't really matter, but. Overall in the season, he's been great. Oregon's offense has been just as good as it was last year, and you would take that every day of the week. Um, this defense last year did, would not do this. No, They wouldn't have allowed six points to Stanford. They didn't last year. They wouldn't have allowed only six points to the Colorado defense – or, excuse me, Colorado offense last week. Obviously, way different offense against Colorado last year, but – Both those teams is, scored more points last year. And were, yes. Correct. Yeah, worst teams in some cases. Like, these aren't – like – it's in, it's very impressive, and again, these these offenses have not been good. We'll really see what it looks like against Washington, but the problems that Oregon's defense faced in 2022 have been addressed in 2023. And Dan even said it. Like I asked a question about Jordan Birch, and he just started to talk about his transfer guys. Like 
at the very minimum, like these guys, he, they have a line that can get after the quarterback. And it makes life a lot harder when you can get after the quarterback. We were just talking about this before the podcast. They have like you know, almost the same ta- sack total that they have from yeah. last year yes. through the last two games. Like it's, I'm, I'm sure I don't know, the totals are probably more. They probably have more I, on, sacks. on the season. I think Oregon has to have more than last year. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that, has, that has to be true. But more sacks than last year through five games. Like that's the difference. And, what happens then is that your defensive backs don't have to cover for more than four seconds. And if they have to do that, you're in trouble because it's just easier to be a wide receiver. So I think you have to take away how good the defense has been. Against bad offenses, sure, but they're they're dominating right now. It's not even fair. One other thing I want to touch on on defense is I think Jared and I talked about in the box. We should note Matt was on the field today because Stanford chose not to give us their credentials. We can let Matt gripe on that later. We'll post that to the end of the pod. Because um, it was, frankly, bullshit. Fucking stupid. <laughs> there it is. That's our real thoughts on it. Um, but my, what I wanted to say is I remember Jared and I were talking up in the press box a couple times, which is how good the secondary was in the open field with tackles. And that's mm-hmm. been something we've seen all season. But there were just a couple of times where it's running back on a corner even. I remember Dante Manning had, I think, a tackle for like a one-yard game where it was yeah. EJ Smith against him in the open field. And like I don't know if a year ago you felt confident the corners were making that play. No. Maybe Gonzalez, but not the rest of them. And they basically cleaned everything up. There were a couple of sequences that weren't perfect, but this is just a defense that is playing so much better in space and obviously so much better in terms of getting you know, into the backfield that you have to feel really encouraged, again, going into this bye week and with, with the offenses that are coming up with just the, the strides you're seeing. And, and if they're able to hold up in coverage, that's the big question coming forward. Mm-hmm. They give themselves – a really good chance to, to do some things this fall. Offensively, another performance, like Jared said, by Bonix was just very okay and yet still, <laughs> still amazing. four touchdowns and 84-yard, 84% completion percentage. Um, Troy Franklin, another game with 100 yards or more. I think this is his third time fourth. scoring twice. Oh, third, yeah. yep. uh, fourth game with 100 yards. Yeah. Um, his numbers have got to be like seven touchdowns and 600 something yards now. Or I mean, close he, to he it. has three 100 yard games with two touchdowns this year already, yeah. and they're not even halfway through. It's, he's on pace to <laughs> obliterate the reception record, the receiving re- yards record, and the touchdown yeah. and a single season record. Yeah, he's not far off on any of those. And then we learned at running back. Yep. What they were going to do was it going to be three guys like they've done the last few weeks with no Wellington out? Does that mean Jaden Lamar or Dante Dowdow get in the game? And the answer is no. Um, they both played, but it was when the second string came in and the, starters were, the starters were pulled out. They combined for uh, four carries for 18 yards. Lamar again, the first guy on the field. Interesting. It's the guy that's. I, I think it's clear he's the fourth guy of, of the group. He's come in first before Dante every game. Yes. Um, but Irving and James, again, terrific. And James, again, he scored the first touchdown of the game. Um, really good blocking by the offensive line. JPJ and Stephen Jones blew up the line. And he almost got through, like, untouched. I don't know if he even had, like, someone touch his shoulder pads um, for the touchdown run. But both guys, 88 yards rushing. Um, each guy scored a touchdown. 28 total carries, which surprised me a little bit, but probably more so the fact that they just didn't have a lot of touches because of the first quarter. Yeah, and I mean they, they also didn't need those touches. Yes, seven and a half yards of carry, 208 yards on the ground. 
like Jordan James had over it was fourteen point seven yards per carry. So pretty good. That'll do. It's uh, it always helps to score from thirty yards out instead of multiple times and getting a three yard touchdown. You know, so Jordan was we kind of asked him post game. It was a pretty quick interview, but just about kind of the role he was playing and stepping into it. And he was pretty honest about yeah. it being a, a change. And I, again, he didn't go into great detail, but just that this was an opportunity to show more of what he can do, the complete back. Because a year ago, he was really very specialized role. Now he's out here carrying at any part of the field. He's busting long runs. I mean, he had, I think, at least two over, what, about 20 yards out of his six. So, um, yeah, he looked great, you know. And then, again, you, we don't really know with any clarity what – the future holds for Noah and when he's a back or if he'll be back. But regardless, I think you feel like you got two really, really good running backs. We knew that coming into this game. I don't know if this really changes a ton, but it was nice to see both of those guys perform so well with uh, without Noah. Um, injuries. We talked a little bit about it. Is yeah. there more that happened? We didn't see Addison at all. Yeah. Pope, um, Popo was like a weird pregame yeah. thing. Yep. Don't know if there's anything there. Jackson's injury is going to be interesting just to see what happens. But I think other than Jackson, there really weren't any injuries that took place during the game that I remember. At least people no. that didn't come back. No, there's a couple that of people that kind of popped off quickly. But, no, I mean, I think you the question marks now going to this bye week are Kyrie's situation, Addison's situation, and Justin Jacobs. And I guess you can throw Popo in there, but I don't really think you need to. I think they're just yeah. being careful with him. He doesn't need to play crazy number of snaps but it's really just those guys and with a couple weeks time i guess no whittington i should include there but with a couple weeks time we'll see what kind of the availability looks like with those guys kyrie to me is the one it's like you really You're gonna be able and to ryan addison too yes. but kyrie in particular he's your best defensive back steve, maybe steve played well steve played it. Steve, steve has played really well and i, I mean every, honestly there really wasn't remember a couple years ago who was it um steve stevens actually i think ironically went down and brian addison replaced him and yes, was, and everyone was, was like, this is why Steve needed to play yeah. because Addison wasn't ready yet. But now it's like the guys that fill in, it's like, man, they're all good. Like There wasn't a huge drop-off. Like, I, I remember mean, Colorado Steve, just targeted Addison. Steve was a, was a starter. Yeah, exactly. A year and a half. And now he's you know he's the sixth man off the bench for the for the defensive backs. He's playing his best football of his career, I think. Yeah, just short spurts. Uh, this, this is what happens when your team has the necessary depth. And you give Dan and Tosh and everybody a full offseason. They get their guys. Two yes. penalties. Yeah. Two penalties. Very nice. Dan said they won't be doing as many up-downs. Good job, guys. Except for Camden Lewis. I wanted to bring him up because he had the worst. He had two he had the kicks worst out day. of bounds. Yeah. Two kicks out of bounds. And missed a field goal. It was very missed uncharacteristic. Nice nonetheless. Yeah. Very uncharacteristic. Not a good day for Camden. Um it's kind of a bummer because that's I, like the biggest gripe. I know. I was sitting here trying to say, like, there's not really much else to gripe about. It really isn't, other than the slow start, obviously. And I'm just bummed that Camden didn't pay off that final drive in the first half because to me, that was like such incredible execution from the offense to be yeah. all the way down there without using any timeouts until the very end. And as Dan pointed out, really heady play by Bucky to get down to give him a chance to use the timeout because if, if he tries to weave through traffic, he probably gets tackled and there's no chance for a field goal. Unfortunately, Camden misses twice, but only once on the stat sheet, and, and you don't get points. But I thought that was, like, perfect execution. Oregon now goes into a bye week, or I should say work week. Yep. Uh, they, they are going to go to work, as Dan Lanning pointed out in the uh, post-game press conference. Not a bye. Uh, he said some teams rest. We're not going to do that, uh, paraphrasing there. But uh, it's – is it Husky week? Is it hate week? Uh, not yet. 
I mean, it kind of—it's the next it, game. It, maybe it's two weeks of Husky Hate Week. It's extended. <laughs> it's even even better than normal. Uh, and like, I think everyone knows it. Even the, like the coaching staff and the players know that the schedule was set up for Oregon to be five and up. Yes. And the schedule was set up for them to be in the top ten. And it looks like Washington at half or close to half is doing the same thing up down at Arizona. Um, their schedule was set up for them to also be 5-0 and going into conference play or going into this game in two weeks. We're going to get two top 10 teams. We're going to get two Heisman contenders. Uh, honestly, we probably could get two teams that you, you could say that have a good chance to get into the college football playoff mm-hmm. as things are currently slated. It's going to be a marquee game. Um, and I think you get the sense of the players know, like, okay, here we go. Like, yeah, game on now. The true tests are, are, are showing up. And it's time to put up a show. I'm curious, Matt. You do the weekly power rankings in the conference. Well, I had you go first. I was going to ask because you think these are the two best teams now. I had I had them first one and two. USC. Yeah, after USC's last two weeks in particular. Yes, when they didn't put away the tough uh, ASU, I dropped them down to from one to three. So yeah, I think I think Oregon and UW, UW and Oregon in that order are the two best teams in the conference. Um, we'll see. I, I think they're pretty close to equals. I do too. Um, the road game for Oregon is going to be a factor in a negative way, but uh, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be a Husky Stadium is going to be absolutely jumping. Right. Um, it sounds like it's going to be a 12:30 or 4:30 kick. We'll find out tomorrow. Yep, though. we'll yeah. find out on Monday. Um, Monday, yeah. On on the start time there, but that's I mean it's going to be prime time. Mark, you know, marquee slot for for the game. It's really fun to see because I believe I think I heard this last week. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's the first time both teams will be top ten in these matchups. Really? I, uh-huh. I, heard, I heard that on a telecast somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe check my math. I might be totally wrong. But either way, the cool thing about this game in particular, and even last year's game, which was of course also a great game, is that for so long in this rivalry, it was either Washington was great and Oregon yes. was bad, or Oregon was great and Washington was bad, which is why you had these stretches where like teams were winning Oregon by a lot, ton in a row, and by a ton, huge margin. Now we've got to a spot here where this rivalry is just like these are two really, really good teams, and they're both ranked in top ten. And I, I think it's going to be a classic up there in Seattle. I'm, it might be okay. right because um, I'm. I mean, I I can't. You said it best. Like it's always been one team has been dominant and the other one just hasn't been it's equal because Oregon and, never would have been top 10 before the, the, the 94. Chip. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I'm trying to think like the few times when the few times it was, um, Chip Kelly, Mark Helfrich era, like UW was ranked, but they weren't really good. So they were always like, it was like 22 yeah, exactly. versus it was 9 like, or something like exactly, that. Exactly, something like that. If you go to godux.com and go to the histories, they'll have it. Yeah, it has to be right because I'm, I'm racking I'm sure my head. And I, think I, to, heard, I think I heard it on last week's Oregon – or sorry, Washington uh, Cal telecast. They're previewing it. In 2018, they were, they were top 10. I, I, Oregon wouldn't Oregon have been. Wouldn't have been. Um, 2021 last year or two years ago no i don't think so washington was not good that year remember they had like a losing record oh yeah because all like got, yeah, got fired there was, so no 
Yes. No, and, but that was still a very nice, very good environment. It was. Yes, it was. So this is, yeah. I mean, we're, we're just kind of, I mean, I, I don't know if we'll find this set for sure or not, but regardless, it's going to be potentially the most meaningful game in the series because, as we said earlier, like these are these are if these are the two best teams, we'll fact check that. Yes. Point. But uh, regardless, these are, I think the two best teams in the conference and a very loaded conference, and the winner of this game has prime. has prime. Yeah, they're in pole position essentially. I know it's still three games in the conference play to make a conference championship and to be that team. So, and you know, whoever that team is, is going to vault itself into the top four, probably nationally, or very close to that, depending on how things shake out the next couple of weeks. So by the, by the huge time, game. By the time these two teams play, one will have a loss. Utah will have at least one loss. Oregon State will have at least one loss. Um, UCLA has one loss. Yeah. Washington State and USC are the other teams that could be unbeaten. And I don't, I don't know who they play over the next two weeks. Um, Washington State plays, I think, UCLA and Cal. So one of those is one of those is losable. Yeah. Um, I don't know who USC plays next weekend, but you're right. The the winner. USC schedule is awful for them. From a for the like they they get a bye week, but they'll have to face Oregon, Washington, Washington State, Notre Dame, and I think Oregon State uh, over the next couple weeks of the season. It's a uh, it's gonna be it's, the Pac-12 will cannibalize itself. Yes. And if one team is lucky, which has never happened in the history of the Pac-12 with their nine-game conference schedule, then. It's honestly, it's probably going to be one of Oregon or Washington. If a team actually does go unbeaten, they deserve to be the number one team. They, and it's and you would make us. have a strong case to say that it's like literally the best season in conference history, or like in Pac-12 history in terms of just talent. Just, yeah. just because it's like this league is so freaking good, and if someone maneuvers through this without losing, Oregon's out of this bye week. I think five of the final seven teams are ranked teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's going to be a grind. All right, that's going to do it for us on this post-game edition. Uh, go to DuckTerritory.com for more coverage. And until the next time you hear from us, it'll be the Odds and Audible's Mailbag Monday edition. Uh, bye week. And then – oh, yeah, we should note we are going to change. Yeah, we're going to be a little less regular this week. Yes, the next coming week there will be uh, fewer podcasts. There will still be some. We just don't know how often because it's bye week. We're only getting to speak with Dan – and Dan's the only one we're speaking with, and that's on Wednesday instead of uh, typical Monday night. So yep. uh, it's going to be a light week ahead of the Washington game. But nonetheless, you've been listening to the Odds and Odds podcast. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Peace.